Today, we are again in Matthew chapter 28 in verses 18 through 20. As we all know, or many of you may know, some of you may be new to this uh, text, but this is a very familiar text in, in church, in, in Christian life, and we've entitled this The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it reads such as this. It says, Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And as we look at this, last week we looked at the first two words of this passage, especially in verse 19, where he says, go therefore. And last week we talked about how a, the missional disciple will go. This week we're looking at the missional disciple will make disciples. We are not called to be stagnant, to be just converts, to be pew warmers, to be Sunday school attenders, God calls us to be disciples. Disciples mean that you have sat underneath the tutelage of someone who knows what it means to follow after Jesus. It's very much apprenticeship. Before I get too much beyond my notes and just saying an introduction, I just want you to understand that that's what it means to be a disciple. I was never discipled. And I believe the vast problem with the majority of church members today is we have never been discipled. We've been converted and we've been churched, but we ain't never been discipled. And that's the reason why the church does not stand strong and it does not continue as it has many years ago. Life is way more busier than it used to be. It used to be when you were busy, you were physically busy. Today we sit on our chairs at the house, we sit on our couches, and we scroll through these devices, we scroll through Netflix, we scroll through every single type of media there is trying to find something that will entertain us. And we're not being discipled, we're letting every single thing there could be be in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds other than the Word of God or Christian relationship. And we need to get back to what was the best thing, and that is the Word of God and Christian relationship. And that comes through a healthy participation in God's bride, the church. So today, as we start into this, a missional or the missional disciple will make disciples. In the Greek, the word go, like baptizing and teaching, is a participle. Only the verb make disciples is imperative. It's the only one that's imperative. Brodus says this, To disciple a person to Christ is to bring him into the relationship of pupil to teacher, taking his yoke of authoritative instruction, accepting what he says as true because he says it, and submitting to his requirements as right because he makes them. You want to be a cabinet maker? You need to go sit underneath somebody who makes cabinets. I've got a... My, my brother's father-in-law was a cabinet maker for many years. And he told folks as they come out, they had a program where they were trying to work with, with inmates that were coming out. 
And they said, if you will come out and, and be willing to be tutored, to be an apprentice, if you will, for, I think it was uh, 18 months. If you could be a, a, an apprentice for 18 months, you will make like seventy to $80,000 a year. Easy. First year. If you'll just sit under for 18 months, they wouldn't do it. Said so the government pays them more. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. This is important that we learn how to be a disciple. We can have a skill where we can go forth and share the gospel and not crutch on somebody else. We've got to be a disciple. We've got to sit underneath people. Listen, I have been weighing it, and I know everybody's lives are busy, but I would like to do something with a few folks. Now listen, don't think if I don't say, well, you're not including me. Listen, every, every deacon in this church should be uh, taking upon what I used to hear from my church when I was growing up called a yoke fella. And you bring along somebody who's not quite a deacon yet, and you say, come do the work of a deacon with me so you can see what it means. I'm going to go out and I'm going to visit the, the shut-ins. I'm going to go in and visit the ones that are on my list on the deacon family plan, and I want you to go with me. Now I know with COVID and flu and all this kind of stuff, right now might be a difficult time to be getting out and visiting folks. But you can call them. You check in on them, we can do those things. But you, a disciple will see because they see the, the person that is the master doing it the way it should be done. Before I get, I'm getting way too, too far off topic. I've got seven pages of notes, so strap on your seatbelt. All right? Robert Coleman wrote in his book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. Ever, anybody ever read that little book? The Master Plan of Evangelism? Well, you're missing out. It's a good book, okay? Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Robert Coleman, he said, uh, Jesus' concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. Men were to be his method of winning the world to God. When we look at the method of Jesus and what he did, he preached to the crowds, but his intention never was really to the crowd, was it? The Sermon on the Mount was intended for who? The disciples. The disciples, it says, he called his disciples unto himself. And there was a multitude that followed them. It sat on the hillside. And they got, and I referenced this Wednesday night, is the splash effect of being present when God was speaking to those he was trying to disciple and mentor. And then what did Jesus do? He had his three that he really invested in even more, which I believe is the method. It's the best method. The three points today that we're going to be looking at, number one is... Uh, the number one is to make disciples, we have to be a disciple. To make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. If you want somebody to be a good cook, how do they become a good cook? You sit underneath the good cook that already exists. You may say, well, I can watch YouTube. Well, maybe so. Okay, new technology. But in, if you think about it, most of the time, you would have to watch. You'd be in the kitchen. For some of you, you sat and you, you, sat, you didn't sit if you sat in your mama's kitchen. You were moving around. Get out the way or either help, Right? Either get out of the way or help, you know? So you, you get in there and you learn and you watch and you see and this ingredient and that ingredient and you see recipes being put together and things because, you know, you want to have uh, grandma's mac and cheese or their chocolate pie. You want those things. You want the ingredients to be just right. So you sit underneath them and you watch or the cornbread or whatever it may be. And you learn, if we really want to be disciples, if we want to make disciples, we have to be disciples. We have to sit underneath the teaching of Jesus. Not so much mine. I want you to come. I want you to be here. Don't get me wrong. Are you a Sunday school teacher? 
But if you're not first sitting underneath the Word of God, what I have to say is not going to stick very long. You yourself, I myself, we've got to get into the Word of God. So the first point, and I'll get to that in a minute, to make disciples, we have to be a disciple. Second, to make disciples, we have to know the most successful method. Preaching from the pulpit is not making disciples. It may start, it might be a tip of an iceberg to making a disciple, but by no means is it how we make disciples. You don't make a disciple by, by me preaching one time a week. And you might grow from it and you say, you know what, I'm going to subscribe to the podcast and I'm going to go back and listen to that every day. And then I'm going to figure out from his points how I can be a better disciple. You might be able to say that, but that technology didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. It does now. But you've got these different ways. You're going to have to be in the presence of someone else who is walking with Christ. So to make disciples, we've got to know the most successful method. And lastly, to make disciples, we have to be available. One of the biggest reasons why today that we don't have disciples made like they used to be is because our availability is so limited. We don't have time to invest in somebody else. That sounds terrible, but it's the truth. It's hard. It's hard to get a group of three people together to meet to study the Bible together. You ever thought about that? You ever tried to have a Bible study either sometime during the week? Well, I can meet there on Monday. Well, I can't meet there on Monday. Can we meet there Monday in the morning? I can meet there Monday in the morning. I can't meet there. I can meet Monday in the evening. Well, I can't meet there Monday in the evening. I can meet there Tuesday. No, I can't meet there Tuesday night. The kids got basketball practice or, or football practice or baseball practice or just some random sport. Can't be there Wednesday night, obviously, because we got church. Should be here anyway. Can't be there Thursday night. Got this going on. My favorite program's on TV. Goodness gracious. I, I, I got to watch that next episode of Yellowstone. Or I got to watch that next episode of Boba Fett. You know, I got to be watching the next episode of something. Can't be there for those reasons. So as we look at this, we see the, the importance of making a disciple. And it's, it's challenging, okay? I say all that to say this. It's challenging to make a disciple. That's the reason why the churches are so weak. Because we're full of converts, but we're not full of disciples. And it's been that way for years. It's not a new thing. But we see from all four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote inspired accounts of the life of Christ, they recorded his command to preach and proclaim the gospel, which is the tip of becoming a disciple. As I've read, I've read Matthew 28, 18-20. Mark 16, 15, Mark wrote from Jesus' account, Recording Jesus' words. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 47. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. John 20, 21. Peace be with you, Jesus said. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We are to go. That's the first thing. We talked about that last week. And when we go, we see the mission before us to share faithfully and disciple when one receives. You know, the term disciple appears 269 times in the New Testament, with 238 of those occurring in the four Gospels. Christ did not come to make Christians. Christ came to make disciples. And in this effort, we must not be confused. Mike Breen and Steve Cochran wrote in the Building a Discipling Culture, if you make disciples, you always get the church. But if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. If we build a church just on programs, when programs die, your church dies. 
We build the church on Christ and Christ's disciples. Because if we just build it on a program, all that program failed. Oh, we did this program. It's no good. It didn't work. And you're losing folks left and right because their volunteerism is based upon a program, not on their love of Jesus because they ain't a disciple. It's the danger of the church today. That's the reason why I told you when I came, I don't want to start any new programs yet. I want to invest in our people. And we got to invest in the people first. We need to have good Sunday school hours where the Word of God is being taught and you're growing. And we need to be communicating and loving one another as we go about. Sunday school is the hub of the church. Every person that could be reached or share, the gospel shared with that comes through these doors should come through Sunday school. They should be in Sunday school. You need to find a place and dig in and be a part. And Sunday school teachers, listen, I love this morning uh, when the Davises came in. Uh, I introduced them to Bill and June, and, and June come out in the hall and said, where are you going? You should come into Sunday school here. And they said, no, we're going down here with, with, with the Underwoods. And, and, and she's like, well, you should come in here. Sunday school teachers should desire people to be in their Sunday school classes. And you may say, well, what are you saying? We should be fighting over folks? Yeah. Doesn't that make you feel good when someone wants you in their class? When someone wants you around? I want to go where everybody knows my name. Y'all all know where that comes from. I'm not going to quote it. You, you want to be, right? You want to be somewhere. You want to be wanted. And a disciple, a disciple will make a disciple. Making disciples is not creating converts, converting or regenerating the heart and soul of an individual is the work solely of Christ. Becoming a healthy disciple of Christ is 100% a cooperative effort. Whether it be the disciple with Christ, the disciple with Christ and a few other disciples, or a disciple with Christ and a lot of disciples. But nonetheless, making a disciple or becoming a healthy disciple of Christ is 100% a cooperative effort. You're not going to become a great disciple of Christ alone. So today we're going to see what it means to be a missional disciple, see what it means to be a missional disciple that makes disciples. To make disciples... We have to be a disciple. We must have a relationship with Jesus. It's always in maturation. That's the, the effort of maturing. Lifeway Research found eight attributes of disciples. First off is Bible engagement. John 8, 31, through, John 8, 31 says, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you continue in the word of God, you will be my disciples. That's what Jesus said. Now, we know right then it was Jesus' actual in-present word. For us today, it's the recorded word of God. And if you will continue in the word of God, you will be a disciple. What are you reading? What are you taking in? There's some books I like to read. I, I love to read my Bible. I read a lot of other books. I post pictures of them a lot of times on my Instagram and Facebook. But listen, there's a, there's a series of books that I've loved to read. It's by a guy named Brian Kilmeade. You might have heard of him. He's on Fox News. He had George Washington, The Secret Six. He wrote that book. He wrote Andrew Jackson in The Miracle of New Orleans. He wrote uh, Thomas Jefferson in The Triple E Pirates. But I've, I've read all those books. Why is that? Because I like history. I like history. But I like the Word of God more. And so... What we need to be reading and maturing, we need to have more knowledge. And how do we gain knowledge? It's by reading and being discipled. It's by being discipled. 
Bible engagement is so vitally important. In, when I was in seminary, we had to read a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. But there are some sub-disciplines that Donald Whitney gives us in his book for Bible engagement. If you really want to be engaged in the Bible, you need to be hearing God's Word. If we don't discipline ourselves to hear God's Word regularly, we may only hear it accidentally, just when we feel like it, or we may never hear it at all. We need to discipline ourselves to hear God's Word regularly. If you've got the Bible app, if you've got that on your phone, you could, there's certain translations where you can hit play and it'll read audibly the entire chapter to, chapter to you. Get in the shower. Before you get in the shower, turn it on, set it up somewhere where the phone don't get wet, and listen to the Word of God while you take a shower. You know, you're probably singing songs anyway. Might as well listen to the Word of God. Let it, let it be ingrained into you. Some nights when I'm laying in the bed and Julie gets in bed before me, she goes to sleep for me, so it's it's hard to go to sleep sometimes because she, she, she snores sometimes. I know she's watching online. She's going to be mad at me about that one. But I'll take one of my AirPods and I'll turn on a, a sermon podcast and I'll put that AirPod in the side away from her and I'll listen to that thing so I can go to sleep. Some way, find a way to have Bible intake. You need to be taking in the Word of God. You need to be hearing it. We need to be reading the Word of God. D.L. Moody once said, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Now, let me give a caveat before I go any further because I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. I snore too. Practical suggestions, okay, for reading God's word. All right, you need to find the time. You need to find a Bible reading plan, which we have for you here at the church, either through the Version app, or you can get a folded copy back there on the back table, or find at least one word, phrase, or verse to meditate on each time you read. But you need to be reading the Word of God. You need to be hearing the Word of God. You need to be, thirdly, studying. This is a sub-discipline under Bible engagement. You need to be studying God's Word. Jerry Bridges once said, reading gives us breadth, but study gives us depth. R.C. Sproul once said of the lack of study, here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, which it isn't, but because it is work. And our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. That's what R.C. Sproul said. So we need to be hearing God's Word, reading God's Word, studying God's Word, memorizing God's Word. And this is, there's twofold reasoning for this. So we may be available at a split moment if someone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know the Word of God. Romans 5, 8, for God demonstrated His own love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's one of the great messages in the entire Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10, lead them in how they can become believers in Jesus Christ. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised us up from the dead, you shall be saved. Okay? You can quote John 14, 6 in case they're wondering, is Jesus the only way? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man shall come to the Father except through me. And I want to tell you, if you really want to have life, 
John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. Jesus has come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. You need to memorize God's word so that in a split moment you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 is talking about how one talks about how we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to have the word of God written on our heart. Number one, for evangelism. Number two, because the Bible tells us I have written God's word on my heart. Why? So that I may not sin against thee. There's a reason why we need to memorize God's word. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on God's word. Only as we meditate on God's word, thinking of its meaning and application to our lives, will we discover its transforming power at work in us. Those are the sub-disciplines that Donald Whitney gives us. The second discipline of the, the second thing that they have found, attribute that they have found in maturing uh, disciples, uh, is that they obey God and deny self. John 1.22, James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Obeying God and denying self. Serving God and others. Richard Foster says this. This is from the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. In some ways, we would prefer to hear Jesus' call to deny mother and father, houses and land for the sake of the gospel, than to hear his word to wash feet. Radical self-denial gives the feel of adventure. If we forsake all, we even have the chance of glorious martyrdom. But in service, we are banished to the mundane, the ordinary, the trivial. The ministry of serving may be as public as preaching or teaching, but more often it will be sequestered as nursery duty. It may be as visible as singing a solo, but usually it will go as unnoticed as operating the sound equipment to amplify the solo. Serving may be as appreciated as a good testimony in a worship service, but typically it's as thankless as washing dishes after a church social. Most service, even that which seems the most glamorous, is like an iceberg. Only the eye of God ever sees the larger hidden part of it. 